From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 383. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, Setup, and Memberful. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I've, I'm looking out a window. Uh-huh. I sat here before at this window. I've got hills and palm trees and all kinds because I'm uh, back again in Beverly Hills today. Is it the same window? Did you get the same room or are you using the same? We actually got the exact same room oh, wow. since the last time we okay. stayed here. So I'm feeling pretty happy about that. So I have a hashtag snow talk question for mm-hmm. you, Jason, which is how did you enjoy brunch on Saturday? I had a great time at brunch on Saturday, but that's because, well, I mean, first off, it's Southern California in late November, which means it was sunny and warm. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. a breeze. It was a it was a Saturday, late Saturday morning, and you're sitting outside at a at a cafe that does like breakfast all day. Uh and uh that alone it would have been pretty great. But who was across the table from me? Mike Hurley. Well, technically Hello. Adina Hurley was across the table from me. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and Mike was kind of diagonal. And uh it was lovely. It was great to see you after after two years, right? Two plus years. Yeah, we worked out that the last time we'd spent any time together was August 2019. At the Relay 5th so Anniversary been, event in San yeah. Francisco. That was it. That was the last time. So it has been a historically, horrifically long time. So it, I found it, like you, pretty wonderful to spend time with you and your lovely family. So Yeah, we had a great time. Good. It was. It was. And I had, a, I had some French toast, you know. I would like to thank myself for that uh, hashtag Snow Talk question. Okay, thank uh, you. If you would like to send in a question, you can either write it directly in our document mm-hmm. if you have such powers. Very few do. Or you can send in a tweet with a hashtag Snow Talk or use question mark Snow Talk in the Relay FM members Discord, which I'll mention now, actually. Uh, if you uh, want to become a Relay FM member, maybe you want to support this show, uh, usually you would go to getupgradeplus.com. But if you or someone you know wants to join Relay FM for a whole year, now is a great time to do so because until December 17th, all of our annual plans are 22% off for new subscribers. So if you're a new subscriber, go to giverelay.com. This will include Upgrade Plus, so you can get a year of ad-free episodes and more content for just $39. Uh, go to giverelay.com, and you can find out more about how to do that. Uh, so, you know, this is our... Uh, Deals. Cyber Monday. This yeah. is our cyber, it is oh, Cyber it Monday is today. Cyber Monday. Happy Happy Cyber Monday to those who celebrate. And uh, especially our the gift cybers. for you on Cyber Monday is the ability to uh, get twenty two percent off an annual plan, and you can get uh, you become a Relay FM member and you support the show, and you also get uh, bonus content too. So we have some follow up on AirPlay and uh, music on the Mac, right? Uh, yes. Uh, listener Sam wrote in last week. We I was complaining about uh, trying to use HomePods as my external uh, my music uh, playback speakers on or or my Sonos is actually either one uh, instead of wired connection to my iPod Hi-Fi. And Sam wrote in to point out, and this is this is very much what you can do on iOS, and it, you can do it on the Mac too, uh, which is you can con- do a remote control where you're basically controlling what the HomePod is playing. Um, and since there's native Apple Music support in the HomePod, what you do uh, is uh, in the AirPlay menu, Sam wrote in the music app, AirPlay devices should appear at the bottom of the list under the heading Switch To. And if you click that, you are now controlling what the HomePod is playing without AirPlay. 
and the keyboard media keys still work, he says. Yeah, more on that in a second. If you shut down the Mac, the oh. music will continue because no AirPlay <laughs> is involved. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is true when you can do this on iOS too. I actually think this is one of the very one of the very confusing things about music playback on all of Apple's devices is that you have two ways of doing it. You can do AirPlay or you can do this like play via remote control. And sometimes I find that that is handed off and so you get in weird device states i mentioned this last week where you've used uh you've airplayed music to the home pod and now all of a sudden you realize that it's on the home pod and not on your phone anymore and your phone maybe sometimes gets confused and and so then you press play and it plays on the same thing on your phone instead of what it's already playing it's very confusing so I don't I don't know what the solution is there but I think it's very strange that Apple has these two different modes to do what is effectively the same thing when it comes to something like playing music from the music app. I mean honestly that is not surprising to me with some of the stuff on the Mac. Right? Like I feel like there are a lot of things yeah, but, like hey you can but, do it this but way. But it's true or you on iOS it too. Way. It's true on iOS. The same thing applies oh, on iOS, so. right? You can yeah, you can so. airplay yeah. to that or you can switch to that and so you end up in this weird position where you can like you can play music on a HomePod and then also switch where your current device is output oh, to. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, mm-hmm. and it's and it's for a company that doesn't want to give people sound settings on iOS. Apple has given people very complex sound modes on iOS, so I don't know what's going on there. I I want to zero in on and the keyboard media key still work though because this sent me down a rabbit hole this morning. Um, uh, on the Mac, so you go to this mode where you switch to, and basically the music app is controlling the HomePod, but it's doing it. Uh, remotely and like the HomePod is yep. the one streaming the music at that point essentially which means if you shut down your Mac as Sam said you uh, the music keeps going great um, your Mac crashes whatever you need to restart you don't lose your playlist great theoretically but uh, for example I use the volume up and down keys on my keyboard and they don't adjust the volume of the music they adjust my system volume um, I think play pause will do the right thing, but I'm not 100% sure about that because, as I mentioned in a previous episode, I've turned that uh, hardware keyboard off because it kept getting bumped. <laughs> and so I, I, yeah. I, I got better touch tool and literally I just said, the play pause, next and previous just don't work anymore. Please stop because it was, it was every time I pushed my keyboard tray in, I was messing up my music. It was not good. Um, so I have a bunch of keyboard maestro shortcuts that do this instead, right? Using those preferred keys that I've been using since the <laughs> '90s, and they use Apple Script to control the music app, and it works great. You say, you know, you press uh, what is it, Command Option Space, and it gets the mode. It basically does a play pause. It, if it's playing, it pauses. If it pauses, it plays. Um, and I also have ones for volume that say set the volume up five or down five, and that's and those work great. Guess what happens when music's in airplay mode? When music is in airplay mode, none of the Apple script features work anymore because they say music isn't playing. What's happening? Well, the music app is looking at the target, which is the AirPlay device, uh, the, the HomePod in this case, and is remote controlling it. But the scripting interface, as far as it's concerned, uh, it's the Mac isn't playing music, so therefore it's not happening. It's like this completely mm. weird case. And there is a way I found, uh, I looked around in script debugger and found a way you could get the volume of the target airplay device. But if, and you can set that volume, 
but it doesn't do anything. Nothing happens when you set the volume. It doesn't actually change. The volume doesn't change. It remains the same. Now, if I if I go to the slider in the music interface, the music app interface itself, and slide it up a little bit, it gets louder. And if I run that script again to tell me what the volume is, it will show that it's louder, but I can't actually set that. So it, it's one of those cases where I can have, I can choose between two different frustrating experiences with HomePods on my Mac, but neither of them is satisfactory. And despite what Sam said, you know, essentially r- controlling everything easily from the keyboard uh, in that mode doesn't work. Uh, so far okay. as I can tell. So um, it may be more reliable, um, although I did notice the first time I tried this this morning using this different mode, um, one of the HomePods still started playing the track for a second just by itself, and then the, the stereo pair popped in. So some of this stuff is not uh, any better, but I, I would imagine it's probably more reliable. The problem I have where I pause the music on my Mac and then I come back 30 minutes later and press play and it gets really confused about where the music is supposed to go and sort of plays it into the void or uh, doesn't know how to play it or plays it on the Mac speakers. Uh, that would probably not happen because once it's handed off to the HomePod, I would imagine the HomePod is pretty resilient. But um, if I can't control my music playback, including immediate volume control and play and pause and next track from the keyboard of my Mac, it's not going to work. Like I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is just a a separate way to be frustrated, an alternate path of frustration uh, for playing back music via two AirPlay devices on the Mac. So hooray. It, there's no res- it doesn't feel like there's a resolution to this. There isn't. They don't feel like you've anything's improved for you. No, uh, not th- this. This method does not improve things at all. Um, it's a, it's a non-starter as long as I can't control it via uh, via right. keyboard. So the other method is probably what I will keep trying to use and hoping maybe it gets a little better or at least that it is not entirely annoying. Um, just for those who didn't hear me say this last time, I'm not interested in putting bookshelf speakers on my desk and running a cable. If I wanted to do that, I'd just go back to the iPod Hi-Fi. Honestly, my goal yeah. here is to get some speakers that are probably off my desk on either side of the room, which is where the Sonos's are, and use wireless technology to get a nice separate thing. I, adding more wires to the audio setup in my office is something uh-huh. I desperately do not want to do. So, uh, you know, but then that said, it's not great. And it has to be Apple Music, right? You, you don't want to switch to Spotify or something. Yeah, that's not going to happen. It's going to be yeah. Apple Music. And in fact, I'm also not going to wire up the Sonos uh, player app on my Mac and start using that full time to play music to the Sonos speakers. I'm not going to do that either. I'm going to use the music app because that's what I'm comfortable with. So we'll we'll see if it gets better. But right now, um, it's just, you know, I, I was excited about this. I'm like, oh, yeah, that is a different mode. I wonder how that works. And, you know, the solution here is that that, that should be controllable. Um, yeah. It shouldn't be any different because you're literally, it's the active device that in the music app. You should be able to say pause. You should be able to say volume up and have it work. Um, and they wired it into the interface, but it's not wired into the, the remote control, the scripting interface. That functionality is really reliable when you do it from the iPhone. Like the yeah. using the iPhone's up and down volume controls then controls the... HomePod's volume. Yeah, for as long as it lasts. Thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it can disconnect sometimes and get frustrating, yeah. but but yeah, it's pretty... Uh, it's more it's, reliable. It's it pretty seems. reliable. 
That's and all I want is I want my keyboard I want my keyboard controls which are not yeah. the standard controls but as I said the volume doesn't actually change the volume of the speakers it changes mm-hmm. the volume coming out of my um, my iMac speaker which is not helpful because there's no music coming out of the iMac speaker. Just on like a tangential thing, the hotel that we're in, the TVs have built-in Chromecast support. Mm-hmm. I really like the way Chromecast works. I, I much prefer it to AirPlay. Because your device doesn't need to be doing anything. Like, and you can just continue using your device as normal. And then the app that you're casting from just has some, like we use in Netflix. Yeah. And you just, and you're just basically what you're saying is like, hey, TV, just go and get this Netflix thing. Mm-hmm. And, but it's just so much easier than like needing to sign in or anything. And then the Netflix app just gets some play pause controls. Like, I really like it. Like, AirPlay, I've always found a bit like, can I do, am I allowed to use my device anymore See, when I'm AirPlaying? You know? I, I will say, I think that that's gotten a lot better on AirPlay because I've had a couple okay. of cases recently where I've used AirPlay because I've been, I've been in places where there's an AirPlay TV because so many TVs now have AirPlay support. Yeah. And this happened this yeah. weekend at my in-laws place. Like, they had, uh, they have a TCL TV kind of like mine. It's a Roku and it's got AirPlay support. And so I was able to take, um, uh, my Fubo TV, so my over-the-top streaming to like a pr- uh, like a cable channel that they didn't get, and just put it on their TV, and it worked fine. And I was able to do that and still use my iPad, and it ran for you know an hour plus, and it wasn't a problem. Yeah. Okay. So I think that that can get better. I you know the, there's a there's more going on there, uh, but I agree. The either way, the the ideal scenario, and we're getting toward it especially if you're in a place where there's a TV and you want to put things from your computer on your or your device on your TV to watch it, you should be able to do that without logging into something on the TV. Without, like, yep. You should just be able to go put this there. And Chromecast and I think AirPlay are getting uh, closer to that goal. The upgrade is, Jason. Mm-hmm. It's, to- it's almost December, which means yep. we are entering upgrade Peak upgradey season. Peak. It's always upgradey season. In the past couple of days, I have discovered how difficult it is to spell the word eighth. Yes. That's a tricky one. Because we are doing the eighth annual upgradies and the voting is open. Go to mm. upgradies.vote and you can submit your nominations, your votes for the upgradies award winners for 2021 in the eighth annual upgradies. If you want to find previous winners and get maybe get some inspiration, we have a history of every single Upgradey award given over at Upgradies.com, which is uh, managed and maintained by the wonderful Zach Knox, uh, moderator on our Discord. But you can go to, if you want to vote, there's a Google form. Go to Upgradies.vote. Uh, voting will close on Tuesday, December 21st, and the episode will be released. The 8th annual Upgradies episode will be released on December 27th. So between the 21st and the 27th, we will be tabulating yes. your results and we will be using, and as I mention it again, we'll mention it many times, your nominations, they are guides, they are help, they are indicators for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Jason ultimately pick the award winners for each category, but we very much need your help sometimes to break a tie and often because there are some categories where we don't have any uh, like I was looking yeah. through it, so you know, in case you're familiar, one of our categories is best movie, and I'm thinking like I don't know if I've seen a movie this year. Right. Well, so, so yeah, <laughs> I can't the, think of one. The upgrades nominees from the listeners serve a couple of purposes. One is to remind yep. us, or or point out something we should check out. Right, like that. That's very helpful because you always. Yep. I'll tell you, 
I get to the end of this process and then I listen to some other podcast awards or I, or I read Federico's awards on Max Stories, or, you know, and I'll be like, oh, right. I forgot that one. Right. And that's terrible. So we instituted this nomination process and the collective uh, wisdom of the Upgradians helps a great deal. And then the second part of the process, which you mentioned in passing, is this makes the listeners basically the third person in the room to discuss who wins we include the preferences of the listeners as part of what we're doing and so um that that is very helpful because sometimes we disagree or we don't have a strong opinion and the opinion of the listeners can be uh can be very very helpful so don't forget you want to get your nominations in sooner the better why not go to upgradies.vote uh, and you can get your nominations in and we'll be put, recording that and publishing that episode i think it's going to be our last episode of the year this year i think it tends to be well un- unless there's a surprise apple event don't even later that week or something don't. like it's, so that's literally the last monday of, of 2021 so that's our last mm-hmm. episode this episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Setapp. Getting things done is a challenge that everyone struggles with, and one way to tackle it is to make sure that you have the right tools for your computer and for every task, and that means having the right apps. Setapp is on a mission to help users get more done. With Setapp, there's no more worrying about having to search for apps to solve a problem because Setapp packs over 200 apps for your Mac and iPhone into one. There's an app for almost every task so you can stay in your flow and finish what you started so you can think about the tasks that you want to complete and not having to worry about the apps that you're going to need or where you're going to get them from because they're going to come from Setapp. Setapp has a bunch of apps that I really, really love and really recommend, like a couple that I use. I use these apps every single day, Bartender and CleanShot X. They're absolutely excellent. Honestly, just those two apps alone are worth the subscription, but you can also get stuff like uh, Clean My Mac Access there. You can get iStat Menus, Paste, which is a really cool clipboard manager, Ulysses. There's so many applications available, and they're really excellent. One of my favorite things uh, about Setup is that they are the full pro versions of these apps. They're not like watered-down apps at all, so it's really great. And it's great value as well as being convenient because instead of paying for hundreds of apps, uh, which could be, you know, hundreds, thousands of dollars for separate licenses, there's just one flat monthly fee. New apps are added to Setapp regularly and you do get those full featured pro versions. So go to setapp.com slash upgrade FM and you can try out Setapp free for a week. If you like it, just pay $9.99 per month. That's setapp.com slash upgrade FM. Our thanks to Setapp for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, so uh, Apple put out a press release kind of thing where they're talking about the fact that they're going to be suing the NSO group. Uh, the NSO group makes the Pegasus software. Um, I don't know if you call it software. I can't think of the right like, uh, it, term for it this. It is. It's like spyware, but it is software. Spyware, yeah. Uh, this was being used by a number of governments to spy on people in the media and political opponents and stuff like that. This was like a big news story from a few months ago. Mm-hmm. So you probably heard of it. Well, Apple has decided to take legal action against them uh, for these because of these uh, ex- exploitations of security flaws. Um, they want to make the NSO group take responsibility for how their software is misused, even though they claim it's provided only to trustworthy government bodies. This was what the NSO group say. But 
there are lots of governments that have used it to do these terrible things. Uh, Apple's able to go after the NSO group because uh, they broke Apple's terms and conditions by creating a bunch of fake iCloud accounts to test their exploits, which is a really interesting way. It's like they need grounds, right, to try right. and sue them. This is the case that they're building. And they've broken the terms and conditions, so they're going to take them to court. But this is just a way in for them to go after them. Right, that's what it is. Yeah, this is, uh, you agree, uh, when you sign up for an iCloud account, you agree to very many things, including um, having the court, like, abiding by California law, uh, all yep. sorts of stuff like that. Uh, Apple uh, will be also donating $10 million as well as any of the damages from the lawsuit to organizations pursuing cyber surveillance research and advocacy, like Citizen Lab and Amnesty Tech. Uh, I thought this was really interesting because NSO, I was reading that NSO is apparently already in some financial trouble. Right. My expectation is Apple's just attempting to bankrupt them. Like that's the yeah. the path. And there. my my take on it when this first happened, I posted something really quick to Six Colors. And uh, what I said was, this feels to me like Apple has the ability because they have all the money to just spend lots of money on very expensive, very good lawyers to make to inflict as much pain in NSO group as yep. possible. And if yep. this is like one of those cases where um you know so often the story is oh the deep pocketed corporation will be, is impervious to your um you know your claims as a consumer because they can just pay their lawyers and it's not worth it for you to sue them or you need to settle or whatever. This is a case where it's sort of the reverse kind of story where um they can they can just keep this going and inflict maximum harm in the legal system on this company and that seems to be my my view from you know that press release and all that is that's what is going to happen here they're going to make it life yep. as difficult as possible uh for nso group and you know what i say good <laughs> yeah. this stuff shouldn't exist yeah. and this, this is a this stuff just should not exist this is a company yeah it, it's it's had trouble um it's an Israel-based company, but like the whole mm -hmm. idea here is, at some point, if there's a corporation that literally their entire business is to find exploits in popular computer operating systems and sell them to the highest bidder to do mm -hmm. awful things with them, uh, it's hard to see how a company like that is allowed to stay in business outside of outside of a country that is itself lawless right and so um it's hard to hard to see how that's going to happen with an nso group yeah, i'm i i remember at the time when this was happening i had this kind of thought in my mind of like why isn't apple doing anything about this and i guess they had to try and find a way right like Maybe what they're doing right. is not necessarily inherently illegal right they had to find some kind of grounds to right. pursue them, and I'm pleased that they found them. Yeah, and and you know it's co it's complicated. It's complicated, and it's and there are other cases where this exact same strategy would make us feel uncomfortable. But yep. this is this is a company that literally profits on selling security security exploits to awful governments who want to uh, expose people who are opposed to their their authoritarian regime. Right? It, it's yep. it's dissidents and it it. it opponents in other countries and it's just it's ugly and and uh and makes devices less secure so i'm because there's no there's no way to to do the ideal right like the ideal is like oh this software is only used to find terrorists right, right? like 
that there's an ideal idea in that. It's like, oh, if that was the case, like, sure, sure, okay, I'll allow it. But that's just not the that's not the way that these things are done. Like, you create any tools, and someone's going to misuse it. And the way that this can be misused is pretty terrible. So, yeah. When uh, moving on, when the uh, Apple Silicon Macs were coming out, we were all wondering what the future of Bootcamp was because it didn't seem like Apple was going to continue making Bootcamp. And also, right, like we needed Windows on ARM and there kind of wasn't Windows on ARM at the time. And that started to change. Windows is running on more and more ARM machines, but there was no kind of uh, indication that we would be able to get a native version of Windows running on Apple Silicon. There was a quote that Craig Federighi gave like in an interview where they kind of was just like, yeah, we're, we're fine with it, but yep. it's up to Microsoft. Up to Microsoft. And it seemed like a kind of a weird thing for Microsoft to be dragging their heels over, right? Like, this is their whole business. Like, why not just sell it to more people? Well, it turns out that Qualcomm currently has an exclusive agreement with Microsoft. Uh, turns out mm-hmm. that part of the deal to get Microsoft uh, Windows to run on Qualcomm's ARM processors was an exclusivity window, mm-hmm. which leads me to believe that Qualcomm basically paid microsoft or cut a deal with microsoft that involved a discount money changed hands or did the work yeah for microsoft. <laughs> or did the work for microsoft <laughs> so money changed hands i think for sure and that's fair that's that's perfectly reasonable it, it it actually reminds me a little bit of the whole iphone exclusivity with with at&t right that it was a yes it was a we're getting this off the ground and we need you as a partner we so we're going to give you yeah. an exclusivity arrangement but this report that's out there uh, which is, you know, lightly sourced. It's it's from xdadevelopers.com. Um, but this report says that it is expiring soon. That's all we really know. Yeah. And um, I've said all along, and I continue to say that I think it is inevitable that Windows for ARM processors will run on Apple Silicon. I don't know about bootcamp. Bootcamp's not impossible because of the way that Apple architected bootcamp on uh, Macs with the T2 chip in them. Uh, there's a secure signed operating system process, and they support Windows secure signed boot just as they do Mac OS. So, like, I think Apple is fine with it, essentially. Like, if you want to do that, go right ahead. So, if there's a way to technically make it work, uh, on Apple Silicon in Bootcamp, great. But I think that more broadly, this is that moment where Microsoft can finally uh, make available a an official version of Windows that runs natively on ARM processors to be used with something like Parallels or VMware on Apple Silicon Mac so it runs at full speed. Now, keep in mind, it is the ARM version of, of Windows, not the regular Intel version of Windows. Uh, I think Apple... Uh, the... Um, Oh no! It was it was a was a VMware. Somebody said basically we're going to let Microsoft handle the translation layer, right? But Microsoft has to build an Intel translation layer for Windows itself, and so that would run. And so you should be able to yep. run Intel stuff on Windows for ARM. So it, it's all kind of coming together, and I think this will be, uh, I think it'll be a real thing. Right now, you can you can sign up for like the test version through their like early release program, and then just put that in parallels on an apple silicon mac and it works fine it works just fine but i think microsoft is not allowed it looks like from this deal to do anything but bundle it with 
with ARM systems running Qualcomm processors. And when that deal ends, we may see this uh, resolved quickly. And that's that's the goal. I mean, what, ideally, what you want is the ability to get VMware Fusion or Parallels desktop and um, even potentially just buy <laughs> ARM Windows from them or from Microsoft directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think it will happen. And this is just another sign of why it hasn't yet. But it just feels inevitable to me because you look at what Apple wants and what Microsoft wants, and like, there's no reason that they would not want their customers to be happy, right? <laughs> their joint joint customers to get what they need, which is the ability to run Microsoft's operating system on a piece of Apple hardware. Like everybody wins in that scenario. I mean, except for Qualcomm and Intel, but that's okay. They don't care. I mean, Qualcomm's fine. Intel's, you know, like Qualcomm's still going to make the chips, right? Yeah. Like, I, I meant, whatever. you know, Microsoft and Apple don't care, <laughs> I guess is what I'm no. saying. It's like in the end, Microsoft and Apple just want to make their customers happy. And this makes them happy. And I know that people who are thinking about the old days of Apple and Microsoft may think differently about this, but it's, uh, everybody, everybody is going to want this. And uh, so they'll, they'll give it to them. That is Microsoft's business model now. Mm-hmm. Like, let's give everything to everybody all of the time and make them pay for it. Yeah, and we already have seen, I mean, you could say, well, they don't want, Qualcomm doesn't want those uh, benchmark (laughs) tests that are disappointing because they show how far ahead Apple is with their ARM processors than Qualcomm is. Well, that's true, but there have already been stories, you know, using VMware or using Parallels on Apple Silicon. There have already been those stories. So, you know, it's, and Apple is ahead of them so you know that's just how it is uh, so anyway yeah uh, i'm i'm not super excited about this because there's not a lot i use windows for even though i do have boot camp on my imac but i know it will be uh, meaningful for a bunch of people so i've done something that a lot of, that i haven't done for a while a lot of people haven't done for a while is just travel <laughs> like big travel yes uh, so across the, across the globe travel, mm. and I have some uh, tech travel observations. I, I remember when people talked about tech travel. <laughs> we used to do this. What we haven't done this a long time, and a lot of my technology has changed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one MacBook Pro, fourteen inch MacBook Pro, got it sitting right here in front of me today. I love all the power. I, I'm excited to edit on this afterwards because yeah. I'm not going to be able to get things done quickly. Actually, faster than my uh, my M1 iMac at mm-hmm. uh, the studio. Uh, I'm enjoying the additional screen space. What I will say is this is a big, thick, bulky laptop. It is. I notice it in my bag. Uh, My bag is a little tighter with this thing in it. We talked about this when we saw each other on Saturday. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, uh, I said I got the I got the MacBook Pro with me, and 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 I I got to send it back. Actually, probably in the next week or so, I got to send that back to Apple. It's my review unit. I asked them for an extension so that I could travel with it a little bit. I took it to Arizona, and I took it with me to Southern California this week or last week. So uh, yeah, it's big and heavy. Uh, it's so great, but it, it as somebody who has traveled with a MacBook Air for a very long time and then an iPad it, when I wasn't traveling with a MacBook Air, it's a lot. That said, it is also all the power of a desktop, basically, in that thing. And that mm-hmm. is, you look at it, and this is the, this is ultimately, this is the trade-off between MacBook Pro and MacBook Air is this, which is, do you want it to be lighter and thinner and just not take up as much space and not weigh down your bag and are willing to have it not be the full on high performance desktop experience or do you not care about the size and the weight because you just really want to have the high performance desktop experience everywhere you go 
And that's the trade-off. And I was talking to you about how, as we were leaving, it was sort of like I keep telling myself reasons why I can't buy the MacBook Pro, including the fact that uh, I my son's going to college next year, and so I'm going to buy him a brand new laptop then. So I, I can't even do my, oh, I'll roll down my existing MacBook Air to other members of my family trick. That's not going to work because I'm going to still have to buy him a new laptop. But the truth is that for me, which is it is it is kind of a load and I'm not sure I really need it when I'm traveling because my needs when I'm traveling are not that intense. But it is great. Like having spent this time with it, it is the screen is great. Again, I keep saying we we don't pay attention to the screen because we got that processor, the M1 Pro mm-hmm. and M1 Max, that, and it makes such a huge difference and the, the yep. look of it is different. Uh, and the, there's a notch that we can all talk about, but that screen is just gorgeous. So I, I do, I do love it, even though I'm, I'm uh, almost certainly not getting one as much as it would be fun to get one. This has also been my first trip with my iPad Mini. Mm. So this is the only iPad that I brought with me. This is my iPad now. I didn't, didn't bring any of the larger ones. Uh, I found the iPad Mini to be excellent for watching movies on a plane because it's really small and it fits onto any like tray table, any space, right? And also, my my big my iPad Pro always had the Magic Keyboard, and I wouldn't bring an extra smart cover, so that was just the cover. Yeah. And the Magic Keyboard would make the iPad Pro like difficult to place yes. in on a plane sometimes. But because the iPad Mini just has the smart cover, it's perfect. And smart covers are so good for video watching I, and just make the iPad Mini really great for that. I'm surprised. When I, and I've heard several people say this, but especially you about the smart cover, because I always use a smart cover, I know. and I only I use the keyboard when I want to use the keyboard. And the this is the reason is that the smart cover for most use, if you're not typing, is uh, really nice and it's light and it lets you put it in all the right little angles and it's great. So and I agree, the smart cover on the mini is nice too. And uh, what I will say, the 256 gig, that's what I got. I got tons of content on that, which is awesome. I'm very pleased that I got the larger one because I just put like loads and loads of video stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Um, the mini is difficult for, for using outside in the sun. The screen doesn't get as bright. Like It's tricky for me to be able to read on it, um, especially if I'm wearing sunglasses. And my iPhone I can deal with, but the mini just doesn't seem to get bright enough for me, um, which, you know, if you want to read... You know, uh, it can be tricky, but this, I think this still kind of reinforces, like, if reading, if you're going to read a book, you got to get an e-reader, right? Like, that's the, it's probably right. still going to be the thing for a very, that, very, very long you wanna, time. You want to read outside, e-reader yeah. is the way to do. Go read my review of e-readers on sixcolors.com. It's, We're going to get to that at some point. I want to okay. talk about these e-readers with you at some yeah. point. Yeah. But yeah, I feel it's it's the glossy screens, too. Right? They just reflect the light, and it just it just makes it not, yep. not an awesome experience for using outside. I've also, this is the longest trip that I've taken with my AirPods Max. Um, I continue to love the way that they sound. Um, they're great. Like, the noise cancellation is excellent on an airplane. Like, it just cuts all the noise out. And I use, I wore them basically the entire 11 hours of the flight and found it very comfortable. The only problem is they take up a ton of space. Like, they, they don't close down like adina has those sony ones like the over ear sony ones that everybody loves yeah and the case is really small because they fold up right but the airpods pro don't do that and plus yeah. the case that they come with i'm not comfortable with the protection that they provide so um underscore david smith had this case i saw it and i bought it it was on amazon 
it's like just like a hard shell case, which is great because then you also has a little space. I put the ridiculously expensive cable in there if you want to plug it into a headphone jack, like it goes into. But it's huge. It's just so big, and so like it works for what I want, but it takes up tons of space in my bag. Mm. That's kind of my only knock on them. I wish they would have made them like more foldable. Like more compact as a way to travel with them. I get the feeling that AirPods Max is going to get a revision at some point here that addresses a whole lot of things that are not quite right with the first version. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm using them for podcast recording today. I have the little cable, the Mm. lightning to uh, (laughs) audio cable. I find it very weird. The set, so uh, transparency. I hate transparency mode for recording. I found out because I hear myself way too much. Yeah. Well, and you've got you've got your voice feeding back to you anyway, so you don't need exactly to hear it again, which is why it's weird because you know, which I said the way I get, the way you set it up, like I hear my own microphone a little bit in my ears, yeah. which is helpful for recording. Mm-hmm. Um, so also then I get it double, which it doesn't sound <laughs> right. Noise cancellation doesn't work. I don't know why it feels strange. So I've got it set to off. Yeah. But these, the, it, it just feels different. The seal is much more intense than the seal on my usual headphones. And so, I don't know, it feels a bit disorientating huh. today to record these on. All right, that's what it sounds like me all the time because i got the in-ear monitor, so they're, mm. it completely blocks off the sound. And so, like the it. world is kind of dropped weird. off other than what I can hear of my own voice through the microphone. But my usual headphones, I use the Bear Dynamic DT770 Pro. Like That's the headphones that I use. They also have a good seal to them. It's just different. I think it's just because it feels different. I'm finding it like a little disorientating. But I'm happy with it because I didn't want to pack two pairs of headphones to travel with. And you haven't done a lot of remote recording um, the last couple of years. So this would be the first one. I I, I also, this is not exciting for anyone, maybe, except me and you. I upgraded some of my audio gear. I got a a new, better travel stand and a really small XLR cable. That was a life hack for me. Because I usually take like one of my, yes, a tiny one. It's a tiny little XLR cable. I would usually bring like a big full, I don't know, a couple of meter one or whatever. Just one of the ones I had in my uh, audio gear kind of closet. But I bought a really tiny XLR cable this time, which is Uh, making uh, cable management. I have one of those and it's great because, yeah, you don't have this giant cable that you don't need because you only need to record, connect two little tiny things together. Um, I've done that. I've got some short USB-C cables too. Same thing, uh-huh. which like, I don't, this doesn't need to be. Yes. <laughs> I don't need to carry speaking all that of, wire. Actually, okay. speaking of USB-C, I have, I have an observation. The international charging is becoming more complicated because all of my cables are USB-C cables now, but hotels have USB-A ports in them. <sighs> yeah. So, like, I, I previously I had USB to USB C, right? Because that's what Apple was shipping with everything, or USB to Lightning. Now it's all USB C to USB C or USB C to Lightning. So I can't plug my newer cables into any of the wall sockets unless I have the full-on wall thing with the adapters and stuff, which I don't bring as many of uh. those because they're too bulky. And so I, I go, I've arrived and I'm like, ah. I don't have the right cables anymore. So I feel like I need USB, like some kind of USB-A to USB-C dongle yeah. for hotels now. <laughs> dongle Town Hotel, uh, you can check in every anytime you like, but you can never... Because I thought out. that, like, That's, oh, I'll change all yeah. my cables to USB-C cables now, uh-huh. because now I only have to have one cable type. But th- And it's great for if I have using the power bricks, but I can't always use all the power bricks, so... 
There we go. I have a footnote here too. One is um, I always travel with a uh, uh, an adapter, USB adapter thing of some kind. But I realize that for you, it's a bigger challenge because you don't have the right plug type. So it gets even more exactly. complicated for international travel. Um, I will say I recently changed my uh, and and my method was I actually have the same adapter by my uh, by, by my bed, and I just unplug it and take it with me when I travel. Um, that's been a method that I've enjoyed a lot because it means that I always know exactly what it is um, and where it is and what it's plugged into. I recently bought a new thing that I traveled with um, the last couple of times that's pretty great. Um, uh-huh. It's a uh, it's a it's a gallium, you know, it's a GAN charger, so it's Gan. it's super tiny. It's got all the GANs in there, and it's two USB and a U, two USB C and a USB A. Is that from an Anchor product? Th- this one is TechNet. TechNet. So, so who knows what that is? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is. Uh, you know, it, it's real small. I mean, I guess that's my point is that the other ones I've used have been like an anchor one and it's a big block with a long cable snaking out of it oh, to go yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And this one uh-huh. is a flip down cause it's the U S right. So it's a flip down the two prongs, plug it in and yep. you've got two USB uh, C and a USB a, and that for my purposes, that's all I really need in terms of like iPad, iPhone, Apple watch. Um, and so that's been, a, a nice little addition to to my little travel yeah, kind of maybe maybe i just need to get i have one of these i have an anchor one for the uk it's really great i use it in the studio to charge those things right like to have a uh, iphone and ipad uh, iphone and apple watch dock i have on my desk and then i have just like an extra port for like a cable to plug stuff in maybe i need a u.s version of one of those and then that will just be everything yeah, that i need then. i was gonna I say do that. invest in in your future return to the u.s uh, mm. Get one of those. You should get one of those and just uh, ship it to yourself while you're here in America. <laughs> I might do that actually. and use it for the rest mm. of your trip. But uh, anyway, but I kind not... of have enough for, yeah. for, for now. But it's just like I was. Yeah, I had it all set before COVID, right? Like because we were USB A everywhere, and now it's if the if the um, hotels have taught us anything, if Hotel Dongle Town has taught us anything, it's that. Um, we can convert our lives to a new cable standard, but the hotels will always be five to seven years behind, right? Like it's like how long did we see the thirty pin connector around in hotels? Mike, I stayed <laughs> I think I in still a, see it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I stayed in a hotel in Colorado uh, a couple months ago that that still had a dock connector, and I was like, "What <laughs> is happening?" It's like a it's like a horror movie, right? It's like the dock connector yeah. is in the building. Ah. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's we can control our own lives, but we can't control what the what's in the hotels. So that's why I always travel with so because yeah, the last thing you want to do is then c- carry a bunch of USB AC connector dongly things with you. That's no good. No good. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by our good friends at Memberful. Memberful is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience and is used by some of the biggest creators on the web because you can generate sustainable recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream. You may have heard us talk about the Relay FM membership program. We spoke about it earlier in the show, like Upgrade Plus. We use Memberful to power all of that because they make it so easy for us to get all of the tools that we need to create a really great system to deliver bonus content to our members, integrate 
group of Discord, have a newsletter, whilst we are also generating extra revenue that becomes a reliable and sustainable part of our business. Memberful really makes it so awesome. They make it really easy for us. They make it really easy for our members as well because like there's their system to log in is awesome. You get all of your podcast codes there so you can like, um, if you have bonus content, it's really easy to just use like a QR code or tap a button and subscribe in your podcast app. And on the back end for us, we get loads of great information and we have charts and graphs and all that kind of stuff so we can see how things are going. And honestly, the big thing is that over the last couple of years, you know, some of the advertising stuff has become tricky or more complicated or more variable. Like COVID has had that effect. But we now have this like this part of our income that we can rely on because of our members and that is powered by Memberful. So look, Memberful makes it so easy to diversify your income with everything that you need to run a membership program of your own, including custom branding, gift subscriptions, Apple Pay, free trials, private podcasts, and tons more, and leaving you with the full control and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, brand, and membership. And you can now send paid email newsletters directly through Memberful without needing to connect to a third-party email provider. We just moved ours to this. It's really great. And you can even publish your paid newsletter content to a Memberful-hosted members-only website so they can get a full back catalog of stuff. And there's no additional fee when signed up for Memberful's pro or premium plans. Plus, you'll save money compared to other popular hosted newsletter platforms. If you are a content creator, Memberful can help you monetize that passion. Get started for free at memberful.com slash upgrade of no credit card required. That's memberful.com slash upgrade. Go there right now and check it out. It could be the start of something exciting. Our thanks to Memberful for their support of this show and Relay FM. Let's talk about shortcuts for the Macintosh OS. Ooh. Yes. Let's so do you it. have published article after article about this, and I've been saving them all up because oh I wanted to talk about it probably this week because I didn't want to spend a ton of time trawling through all the news this week because sure. I am on holiday. Exactly. So we're going to talk about shortcuts. Um, can we talk about like kind of like an, an overall perspective? What have you been trying out with uh, macOS? Like you're trying to make some of your shortcuts go across platform, right? That you're using on iOS as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a couple of things going on there. One is, can I? Can I? Some of the things that I've built for iOS are really convenient, and I'd like to replicate them. And I've tried to replicate some of them using. Uh, different means using services and keyboard maestro and things like that. And I, and I wanted to see, could I make one version of this that runs on my iPad and my iPhone and my Mac? And so I've done that a little bit, um, which has challenges, right? Because there are just kind of holes in um, in Mac OS, actually, where mm. there are, are actions that are not available and you know, and I know you talked about this with Federico on Connected. Um, it, they're like Safari, especially, but like the 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 share sheet on macOS is is not a real share sheet, and so uh, you end up having to do these things that I've been doing, where it's sort of like if device is Mac, do this; otherwise, do that. And it, it and it would be taken to its most ridiculous extreme. You'd literally have two totally separate things. Uh, in the if and else statements. And at that point, why are you even doing it? But um, the truth is that a lot of the work is the same. And they're just very specific actions where you go, oh, I can't do this on the Mac uh, the, in shortcuts. So you end up doing, if it's on the Mac, <laughs> you 
run this Apple script, uh, you know, do this other thing, get the result. And then on iOS, it just runs these actions and gets the result and then continue with whatever that mm. result is on whichever platform you get it to, you, you kind of build it to, to have that little block, throw out the same pit, bit of information um, by, by two totally different means. So you can, you can do that. So uh, that was my first step was really like, can I take my shortcuts and make them uh, run my iOS shortcuts and make them run on the Mac? And that was pretty successful. I have to say, mm-hmm. I was able to do that in a, in a fairly short amount of time. Once I figured out some methods of working around some of the peculiarities of the Mac, especially of Safari, not wanting to give me information. Um, and then I moved on to the second step, which is, could I take my automations that I built in AppleScript and Automator on the Mac and make shortcuts out of that? That was step two. So that you're saying about some of the things that are missing, like, because it's easy to think that it's apps that are missing, you know, like certain apps using iOS that don't have Mac components or they haven't integrated shortcuts for the Mac. But as you mentioned, there is also stuff that just isn't in this operating system. Like, yeah. <laughs> like there's things you can't do with Safari. But I did want to know, like, are you having to get any workarounds for applications that aren't available? Like, are you having to rewrite some shortcuts to use different methods? Yeah, I mean, that's that that happens, right? There, there mm. are um, things that you can do in a particular app on iOS and that app's not on the Mac or I don't use that app on the Mac. Yep. But um, a lot of it is, I mean, that's the brilliance of user automation on the Mac is that most of the stuff you can get via command line or Apple script, right? right. Not everything, right. but no. a lot of things you can get. And so on iOS, you have to have, an, give me an action that does this. So when you're converting iOS actions, it's actually pretty straightforward because anything that's got an action on iOS, pretty much you can do it on the Mac. You may have to do it via a script, but it's not an outlandish action that's locked down, right? Because you're coming from the locked down interface the lockdown mm-hmm. operating system to the anything goes operating system so if you start with ios and then move it to mac os you're pretty much going to be able to figure out a way to do it um the challenge that i found is with the second thing which is um if you want to do it on the mac based on what you're doing with current automation technologies on the mac versus this new one then uh can can you do it? Because sometimes you could ultimately just build a shortcut that is just, just run this script. <laughs> it's like, okay, you could do that. But what I would like to do ultimately is use a shortcut and not go out to scripts except when I have to. Because um, I've definitely done the shortcut that is literally run this script. <laughs> it's like, well, that great. It's a, Technically, it's a shortcut. But it's not any different than what I had before. So what you want to do is then say, can I do this with what actions are available and shortcuts on the Mac? And sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't. And you did that with a pretty complicated one, right? Like I I kind of gave you a bit of a challenge because you have a thing that I think you called the template gun, right? Which was create every time you start a podcast, you would run a script and it would create a bunch of files for you, like unzip some files, put them on your desktop, name them correctly. And it would be like, so you could edit, say, an episode of The Incomparable. And I thought that was really cool. And I was like, hey, (laughs) why don't you try and make a shortcut of it? And you did. You How did. was you, that? You sort of challenged me to yep. to do it. And I, I wrote a post about it and I shared the shortcut. Basically, I ended up with a, I think it's a 54-step 
uh, shortcut, which sounds like a lot, but actually, if you know Federico Vitici, it's not. Uh, <laughs> well, I was gonna, what, what the, so the fifty, yeah, I know Federico's hundreds, but the the fifty four steps coming from it being an apple, it was an apple script before, right? Yes. Does fifty four steps seem like a lot compared to how long the apple script was? Uh it is. I mean, no, <laughs> honestly. Uh, it's it's hard to say because the Apple Script thing it's written in like a a language, um, and shortcuts isn't a language; it's a series of blocks attached to each other. Um, the Apple Script is two hundred and twenty lines, so it seems is seems like a lot of lines to it, me. But what do I know? <laughs> it is well, and, and and one of the challenges, one of the things that I actually have realized in doing this, and this is, I'm sure Federico's been saying this for years now, but one of the things that is frustrating about shortcuts is that it doesn't have subroutines. So if you build a thing that can do this very certain thing over and over again, and you need it in different places in your script, um, you can't. You you would have to make a separate uh, shortcut. And then run that shortcut. Yeah. And yeah. the problem with that is then when you say, I want to share this, you have to say, actually, you need to install these five shortcuts. And when you send out an update, you have to see, you have to update all five shortcuts. This happened when I was, when I borrowed that Tesla um, for spring break and he had written a bunch of really great shortcuts for the Tesla, but they were, it was like eight different shortcuts that all were interconnected and you needed them all. And some of that was subroutine kind of stuff. So I wish I could do that, but I did take the template gun and try to reimagine how it would work in shortcuts. And I managed to get it to work entirely in shortcuts, no scripts used at all, um, which required me to rethink a bunch of stuff because, um, shortcuts behaves differently it doesn't have subroutines it interacts shortcut interacts with files in this really weird way because it came from ios this is the best example i can give which is in mac os if you want and even if you're not a scripter i i hope this will explain how weird this is in mac os apple script really is a remote control language for apps um and and so you can do flow you know subroutines and if thens and all of that but really what apple script was made for is tell this app to do something run this command on this app or tell me what this app is doing and then change something about it that's what apple script is for and so if you want to take say a zip archive from your dropbox which is what i want to do and unzip it the way you do that in traditional apple script form is you tell the finder to take that file and copy it to the desktop and then tell, I think, the archive utility to unzip it. And then you tell the finder to throw away the zip file because now you've got this folder. And then uh-huh. you tell the finder to act on all the files that are in that folder and rename them and all of that. That's how you do it on Apple Script. Shortcuts is so weird because it, it comes from the fileless operating system of iOS. Shortcuts, I did this, I, I started this and I'm like, okay, get the file and extract it. There's an extract action. You can just unzip it right there. It's great. So I just ran that and nothing happened. So what What's going on? And I looked at the shortcut and the shortcut said, result, all of these files. And I, I looked for them on my Mac. I'm like, where are they? They're nowhere. They're nowhere. They are in the shortcuts phantom zone where... (laughs) What's that? So 
so th- this is the thing is until you tell shortcuts to put those files somewhere, they don't exist. When you extract an archive, what it does is shortcuts says, okay, here's what's in the archive. What would you like to do with them? So in shortcuts to take a zip file and save it uh-huh. to the desktop, what you need to do is say, extract the archive, create a folder with that name on the desktop, and then repeat through all the items that you extracted and save them into that folder. Okay. Because it's not remote controlling an app. It is doing it entirely itself. And that's just really different from the way that Apple Script works. I think in a great way, right? Like th- there's something freeing about saying, no, no, my automation system has powers of its own <laughs> instead of is completely dependent on other apps to do all of its work. In fact, one of the big failures of Apple Script, I think, and one of the reasons why it isn't more broadly popular or never was more broadly popular is that while they talked a good game about everything being natural language and all of those things, every single app had its own language basically the way and and they were often impenetrable it's like how do i script the finder and i still have to google search and use script debuggers weird sort of debugging modes in order to figure out how to script applications and that's where it failed is Uh. if every single app behaves differently when you try to control it how are you going to figure that out and so having shortcuts say no most of the stuff i can just do it like you don't have to figure it out. I will take care of it either internally or I will tell the app what to do. There's something really powerful about that. That's it has great. like its own inbuilt. I don't want to use the word language because I think that complicates the matter, but you understand what I'm like. It's, it's, it is doing things in a certain way to the user. It's always doing them the same way. And then you right. can just build from that. Right. Right. Like, right because you're just building just the blocks. This and this like the, every block looks similar right? exactly like, right. it's just like here's the block and you've got the ins well, and the outs right like and, yeah. and if it okay. says get the get this file you don't have to be like oh but where am i getting it how does that app yeah. look at files you can just say get this file or, or do this thing and and, and shortcuts what, so they are like to they're just like sometimes ask you know like they ask yeah. for input you know like right. it's just it's all very easy right you know? so um but the 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 shortcut phantom zone thing was a real moment of 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 realization for me which is like right just because i said extract the archive doesn't mean that shortcuts went to the finder and said extract this archive right that didn't Mm. happen it's doing it itself uh and so from there i was able to build it up and then i've got a bunch of like like repeat statements and i had to i i built it using what's called a dictionary um which basically in my in my apple script i literally have like if the podcast is named this, or if the archive is named this, do this. I have this, it's cheating, right? I'm literally, every time I add a podcast, I have to write more lines of code in Apple Script in order to get it to work. And on the in the shortcut, there's just a dictionary at the top that says you put in an item for each podcast that you want with a couple of preferences for how you want it to behave mm. because it does some different things in terms of renaming based on what podcast network it's on and based on uh, what kind of show it is. And what this also means is that this is far more portable. I not only did I share this with the world via six colors, but like I can give this to you. And the only support you're probably going to need from me is asking me exactly what you should put in your dictionary. But I I even was able to write a comment that says, here is how to do the dictionary. So it's much more kind of usable by other people because 
of the way it's uh, structured in shortcuts. Saying portable, it's also portable for you, right? Because it syncs with iCloud, so it's on your laptop yeah. when you travel. It's perfect. This is what happened to me um, last week, is I did a podcast, and I needed to post it, and I was thinking, oh, I didn't bring the temple- Template Gun app, the sa- Apple Script saved as an app that I have in my application folder on my iMac, and my iMac is shut down because I'm gone, and I don't have that. Do I have to dig into a time machine backup, and what do I want to do? And then I thought, well, wait a second. I rebuilt that as a shortcut. And I went up to the menu bar and looked in the little shortcuts menu in the menu bar, having never thought about this, about needing to do this on the laptop. And it was there. And I ran it, and it ran, and it worked perfectly. <laughs> and that was a moment where I thought, oh, you know, Apple could have added iCloud syncing of of services and Apple scripts and stuff into the OS years ago, but that yep. technology was ignored and basically treated as dead, and so they would never prioritize, like, your scripts can be in iCloud, your services, your finder commands can be in iCloud, and so they never did. They could have. It's not like they couldn't have worked, but they never bothered, and shortcuts syncs via iCloud, and, mm-hmm. and, it, and it, I hate to say it, but it just works, right? Like, it was able to run Template Gun. Um, and put and since I have those files in my Dropbox and I had Dropbox installed on this laptop, those files were right where they thought they were, and it it happened and it it you know and what it's doing is it's unzipping and it's looking at that podcast RSS feed to find what the latest episode number is and incrementing it by one and then renaming a bunch of stuff to be the the episode number so I don't have to look up the episode number it it knows it and it's already labeled it's a lot of fun so that was a that was a great. Every one of these, and the reason I've written about this a lot, is not only it's fun new Mac stuff that didn't exist before, and it's user automation, which I love, but also every one of these little projects I do teaches me something about how I think about user automation or about how shortcuts works and how shortcuts is philosophically different. Uh, It makes me kind of grapple with what's missing in shortcuts on the Mac and in shortcuts in general and what is there and where they need to go next. I'm learning a lot with every single one of these I'm trying because every one of them seems to have some sort of challenge that uh, gives me another insight. Even if it's as simple as, right, iCloud syncing of automations, that's powerful. Are you building these on the Mac? I know like, there's yeah. been a lot of talk about the Mac version not being that great. Are you dealing with it? Is it getting better? What is your experience? Uh, the, the app is super weird and does things that don't make sense. And you have to do a lot of, there's a lot of right clicking or, you know, in the case of, cause I got a trackpad, right? Two finger clicking. We have to two finger click into various places in order to get a menu that does the thing you want. It's not very Mac like I would say, but that's just sort of how it is right now. I think that that has, is a combination of them building the app in Swift UI and coming from iOS and sort of not thinking about how the Mac equivalent is going to work. But, um, it is, uh, you know, it, it's it's improving. Um, I'm actually on the macOS betas right now still, which I normally uh-huh. wouldn't be because every beta, it seems to get a little bit better. I'm in the 12.1 beta now and they keep fixing things. It seems like shortcuts for Mac is still in active development, which is exactly what I want, right? The last thing that this thing needs is to be kind of broken for a year and then be better. They need to just keep making it better. I know that there's a dedicated team working on shortcuts. Every OS release, every beta, it should keep getting better because it needs to. 
Um, and it is getting better. And it, and and there's still a bunch of stuff missing. Um, there's still, like, in the short term, what I really want is a clever uh, developer <laughs> to write the equivalent of Toolbox Pro for the Mac. Toolbox Pro is an app on iOS. Um, maybe on Mac OS too now, I don't know, that, that adds a bunch of functionality where basically like it doesn't do anything except add a bunch of functionality to shortcuts. That's its only purpose because apps can contribute actions to shortcuts. So Toolbox Pro just adds a bunch of stuff that shortcuts doesn't do to shortcuts. And right. the, the shortcuts should do, but it doesn't. And I was thinking about this because so many things that I do and that Federico is doing and that John Voorhees is doing that anybody who's playing with this stuff is doing, Matt Casanelli, like we're all doing this stuff where it's like, like, oh, here's how you get a selection in Safari. You have it do a mm-hmm. JavaScript. It's like, okay, short term, what I really want is I want a clever developer to sweep a bunch of these common things up together and make an app that just contributes them all as actions, if that's possible, right? The idea is like, because I would rather just say, get the selection from Safari and have embedded in there... <laughs> the whatever workaround is necessary to get that to happen so that I don't have to go look up the Apple script code and paste it in every time or the JavaScript in the long run. And this is a future, you know, next gen 2022, 2023 kind of thing. I want, the thought occurred to me that Apple script has had plugins for different functionality for a long time. I would love it especially on the Mac that we had the equivalent for shortcuts that like, if I, I can share a shortcut, but what I, what I really want to do is like, if I can come up with a clever way to do something in shortcuts or Apple script or some combination thereof, it's a little like a subroutine mm-hmm. that is, it takes an input, it does a thing and it outputs something. I'd love to be able to share that with people, including myself as an action, right? This is now an action. Okay. This is Jason's action that does this thing and share it with people and include it and say this this shortcut requires Jason's action to do this and you can get it. Um I think that's got to be a direction for them. Oh, right. Right. Okay. Right yeah, because because it, it's really a drag to to say okay, to do this you need to do this same apple script that you use 90 different times in 90 different places. I'd rather write it once and save it and say it does this. And it shows up in the list of actions and shortcuts and you drag it in and it does what it says it does, just like it does for shortcut actions and actions from apps. I would love to be able to do that. Too. But I guess the ultimate goal though, right, is that you would never need a script. Yes. I mean, the scripting, you could make it that the ultimate goal is that the only time you use scripting is to build an ac- a custom action for yourself and then you use it and then people don't have to do that but if you can write a script that does that then you do it but yes the ultimate goal is you never need to reach for that but on the mac i'm realizing now that there's actually probably a place for that where i could write a complex script and say you know like you can save things as apps in out of apple script like save this as an action it takes an input it generates an output it does something save this as an action and now I can give that to people and I can use it myself and I never need to look at the code. It's right. just another action inside shortcuts. It's just another little block to drag into the, the shortcut. That would be great. And I think on iOS, I never really considered it because there isn't scripting support and stuff on iOS. But on macOS, you could do it. And I think that would expand things a lot. I mean, Apple needs to do a bunch of the stuff itself. Like the idea that we would write some app that says get a selection in Safari. Like, come on. 
Apple needs to do that, right? Safari yeah. needs that. And, and there's a broader context that Apple needs to do a better job of evangelizing uh, user automation and shortcuts inside its team. This is the modern version of why aren't app, Apple's apps scriptable is why do Apple's apps not have uh, you know good support? Federico talked about this. Uh, like there are new features in Apple's apps and there's no shortcut support for them. It's like, if you do a new feature, why is there no shortcut support? Focus yep. mode, big brand new feature this fall, no shortcut support. Can't detect focus mode, can't change focus mode, can't trigger on when a focus mode changes. Uh, it's very frustrating. So there's a lot more work to do here. Because you can do some of that on iOS though, right? You can't do You can do some of that on iOS, although yeah. not all of it. And then on the Mac, like good luck, good luck detecting there's a way to do it, but you have to like read a, a P list file somewhere using a script in order to figure out what focus mode you're in and you can't change it so it's it's you know i my overview of this is for something that is rightly criticized because it's kind of half-baked the truth is enough of it is there for it to make a big difference and show the potential of the future for this technology they just need to keep improving it and they that is making shortcuts itself better and more reliable and evangelizing within Apple. They need to have the leverage with all the other teams working on products within Apple. It needs to be clear that it's a company priority that you have to work with the shortcuts team and put proper actions in your shortcuts, whether you're yep. the OS building focus mode or whether you're notes and reminders. This is like a thing that you have to do to get your feature out of the door. Like this is just one of the parts of the, 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 the checklist. If you add a new, uh, new feature to notes... You need to add support for that. One of the checkboxes needs to be also this is implementable via a shortcut action. And you have to put the shortcut action in there. You can't just add a whole new feature to notes and say, no, you can't. It's not scriptable. It's not accessible. It's not. And that goes across iOS and Mac, right? You just at Apple, if you're in charge of an app like that, you can't skate away from shortcuts. You need it's part of what you need to ship. And right now, that's just not the case. And so that's got to change. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform to build your online presence and run your business. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, Squarespace has you covered. They combine cutting-edge design and world-class engineering to make it easier than ever to establish a home online and make your ideas a reality because they have everything that you need to create the beautiful modern website that you have in your brain. You start with one of their professionally designed templates, you use drag-and-drop tools to make it feel like your own, you can customize the way that things look, the way that things feel, and just a couple of clicks, you can have the settings, the products you have on sale, and more, all customized and ready to go. Every single Squarespace website is optimized for mobile as well, so your content will automatically adjust to look great on any size of screen. You get free unlimited hosting, top-of-the-line security, and dependable resources to help you succeed. With Squarespace, you don't need to install anything or patch anything or upgrade anything. They do all of that for you, and they also have an award-winning 24-7 customer support team on hand if you have any questions. With Squarespace, you can quickly and easily grab a unique domain name and take advantage of SEO and email marketing tools to get your ideas out to the world. 
With Squarespace, you can turn your big idea into a new website, publish your next blog post, promote your business, announce an upcoming event, and so much more. So go to squarespace.com upgrade, and you can sign up for a free trial today with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code upgrade to save 10% of your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com upgrade. And when you decide to sign up, use that offer code, which is upgrade, and you'll get 10% of your first purchase and show your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for the continued Continued support of Upgrade and all of Relay FM. Let's do some hashtag Ask Upgrade questions. The first one is actually going to tie into what we were just talking about. This comes from Henry, who says one of the big advantages of focus modes is that they can activate automations on your devices, but the Mac doesn't have it. So on iOS and on uh, iPad OS, you can set a focus mode, and that focus mode will set off a shortcut it's by the personal automations thing. Yep. But the Mac doesn't have them. So nope. he's got two questions about this. One, do you think that they will add some kind of personal automations thing to Mac OS? Yes. It, it okay. doesn't... It Obviously, they just haven't gone to it. I guess they said it's a multi-year transition, right? I think it's, yep. it's clear that Mac already has all this automation technology in terms of things like when this launches, when this file is added to this folder. I think it's only a matter of time before they implement that. It's just not... They just weren't ready. Yeah, and this is like, it, all of this stuff lives inside of the Shortcuts app, and it's like this weird mixture of Shortcuts and the Home app. Like, yes. they kind of go together. Um, but Henry also wanted to know if either of us have any automa- like Shortcuts automations on our devices, like what we're using it for. I do have a few, oh. if you'd like to hear them. Yes. So uh, I have uh, a fitness focus mode, and I, but I only want it to activate when I'm doing two types of workouts. So if mm-hmm. I'm uh, doing strength or if I'm doing the rowing machine, which is what I would tend to do, one of those two, then I want it to activate. I don't want it to activate when the Apple Watch detects I'm walking or something, right? Because mm-hmm. then it shuts everything off. Right. So in, in shortcuts, you can set that up, which is not a feature that focus modes has, which is so weird. Uh, but there you go. Um, I have uh, some kind of HomeKit related ones where... Uh, when I arrive at my studio or leave at my studio, it can adjust the lighting and the heating. Um, and we also have some like lighting stuff for uh, my home. So if we're not at home, the lights go on and lights turn off at different times. That's the stuff that I have set up. Love it. I don't have any shortcut-based automations right now. I do have one that I run uh, sometimes. I actually need to check because I, I may do a version of it for the winter too, but it's this, I've, I've talked about it before. It's the idea of sensing temperature or humidity and then um, running some, they're home automations. They're not like in the shortcuts, but, you know, running some things that adjust stuff that happens in the house. But in terms of like just pure, I'm running this shortcut to change my status or stuff like that. Uh, mm. No, not yet. Brantz wants to know, is now a good time to buy an Apple Watch SE? Or is it better to wait until September for a hopefully likely Apple Watch SE refresh? Ooh. I mean I look, I, I don't mean to I don't mean to sound mean, but I don't think there's ever a good time to buy the current Apple Watch SE. I do not think it is a worthwhile product for the price. Um I I would honestly if this is the watch that you want, I would recommend waiting maybe they'll have a new one in september but i don't know or maybe they'll get rid of the series 3 and cut its price <laughs> yes who knows but like, i i do not think that the apple watch se is uh a uh, good value I, I really don't i think it's missing a few features like especially the always on display yeah that 
at that price, I don't, I don't think it's worth it. And it's a year old but, now, right? So it, it yeah. there might have been a good time to buy it when it was brand new, but now Isn't it's it a, over. It's, it's like over a year old yeah. now, right? Like it's now a like pace nearly behind. eighteen months or something. Yeah, I, I, I would wait. Like if you don't need it, I would wait. I mean, alternately, I would try maybe find a refurbished series four or series five, as I think would be better, honestly, than a than a new SE. Hmm. Because you, because really, the uh, if I'm remembering right, the Apple Watch SE is like a series four ish with no always on, right? And I'm not, I don't think that's worth the price. I just don't. Yeah. I, I think it's an overpriced product for what you get from it. Uh, it wasn't very helpful there, Brantz, but uh, <laughs> sorry, Markelson, that we don't always promise answers in Ask Upgrade. Well, uh, I mean, you got a clear answer, which is you think, uh, don't buy it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Wait, <laughs> wait, or, or wait, or pursue a refurbished um, right. uh, other model. Mark asks: When setting up a new iPad, do you prefer to restore from a current backup of your iPhone so that your iPad experience mirrors your iPhone? Do you start uh, fresh, or co- like, and create a completely separate iPad experience? Or, I guess, if you're coming from another iPad, set it up to mirror another iPad. What do yeah. you do for iPads? Uh, my iPad. Uh, line and my iPhone line are completely different and I set up new iPhones based on my iPhone and I set up new iPads based on my iPad and that for me includes the iPad mini which I set up as an iPad I actually regretted Mm -hmm. setting it up uh, blank and I went (laughs) back and erased it and set it up as my iPad because the dock the dock is ridiculous but it, it, it (laughs) it is but it's like it is an iPad and the stuff I do on it is still iPad stuff and so why would I not want my iPad stuff on it so um, yeah. That's uh, putting iPhone stuff on an iPad. I guess if it's your first iPad and you want to have it be just like your iPhone, but for me, the iPad and the iPhone are just completely diverged, and that's how I like it. Yeah, I recommend doing like what you did is having like they're distinct. Yes. Right. So like I I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't set up my first iPad mirroring my iPhone. I would just set it up new. But for me, I have backups for each line so like the mini is new and if i get a new mini it will come from the mini if i get a new ipad pro it will come from the old ipad pro yep because i use them so differently right that's true it doesn't make sense to me to have all of the apps that i would use on my ipad it for me it's like would if it was even possible would i set up my ipad mini as a backup from a macbook no because they're completely different to me and that's kind of how i see the difference between my ipad mini and my ipad pro like there are apps on my iPad Pro that I do not have on my Mini and never will because I don't. If I don't have a keyboard and mouse, for me, there's no point using them on an iPad. I would just use it on a Mac, right? Like, yep. Because the iPad Mini, you just like I'm not going to have big writing apps on the iPad Mini. Like, it's just not a thing that I'm going to do because it doesn't really feel <laughs> great to do that, to be sure. honest. Because there's no keyboard. Um, and Matthew asks, do you use Live Photos still? Some okay. I rem- when I remember to turn it on, um, sometimes then I turn it off and I forget, and then I just don't use it for a while, and then I turn it on for some reason. Um, the place that I have found the best thing, and I know that I'm I'm stealing your thunder here because you put this in the notes document, but I swear I have the exact same feeling, which is the new memories feature in iOS yep. 15. Um, it uses the memory movies as part of the memories that it builds. And it's yeah. so great at unearthing. You have this photo that you like, and you may never watch the memory movie or the the live photo, but all yeah. of a sudden there it is, and that photo that that is so familiar suddenly is a a, a short video, 
when that you works, hear a it's laugh magic. in the background. Yeah, like this kind of thing that I like. You like watching the the video, and it's like it's an image that you know well. But when you hear it, you hear people laughing, and it puts the sense of that time. I think live photos is one of the best things Apple has ever added to iOS. Like I think wow. it is absolutely a fantastic feature that unearths joy yes. in moments. Like I love swiping through my photo library and seeing things move because it immediately transports me back to like I can actually give you an example of something that happened about 15 minutes ago. So uh-huh. I'm sitting here looking outside of a window, right? And I just saw Adina walk past the window <laughs> and she looked at me and she waved and I got my phone out and took a picture of her because it was funny, right? Yeah. And now in that live photo, because I looked at it, I have her actively waving. And that makes that image so much better. So when I'm scrolling through in the future of this holiday, I will see this moment. And it's not just her with her hand up. She's waving at me. And like that is just amazing. I love it. Like if I, the, I actually found that a couple of days ago. I had accidentally turned off live photos for like three days, and I was so upset about it because now I have these images that don't have a live component to them. I think I was messing around with photo styles. Those buttons are too close to each other. Um, but I, I love the feature. I have so many little moments that are so much better because there's a live photo attached to them. Um, and also, like using live photos can sometimes help you improve an image because you might get an image where like two people, one person is blinking. With yeah. live photos, you can go in and choose a new keyframe, you and you actually it. might get a better image out of it. Yeah, the um, for me the definitive one is we took that photo in Indianapolis. That was the yep. selfie with the selfie flash. Yep. And the selfie flash, I think we hadn't used before, and it was super bright. And so the photo, there's a photo of us that's just a selfie, which is fine. But the live photo is yeah. us smiling, having this bright light flashed in our eyes. And then you look like you are going to die because yeah, the light I was, was so bright. I was not prepared for how bright the light was going to be. Yep. It's so great. Uh, and mm-hmm. that wouldn't exist if it were not for the, uh, for the live photo. Exactly. So I really love this feature. I think it's I think it's really great. And I, I say I really like. You know, I have some problems with the new memories feature. Like a, I, I think it kind of is a regression in some way. But the memory movies uh, are really great, and they are enhanced by the live photos. I was say again. Like I just wished it was easier to get to the actual images that a memory movie is presenting. Like. Sometimes I just want to see, show me their photos. I don't necessarily want a video. Yeah. And also the music is so bad for me. Like it, I, I know different people have had different um, ex- like uh, uh, experiences of this. The yeah. music feels like I don't know who it's picking it from. Just pick stuff from my library. Yeah. Like I don't, so, sometimes, uh, sometimes I think it works. Most times I think it doesn't. But the truth is I generally keep, this is like an answer to a, a stone talk question that hasn't been asked, but I generally yeah. keep my volume on my iPad at nothing. <laughs> Yes. So I yeah, don't yeah. hear that that music at all, and I only increase the volume when there's something that I actually want to hear, and then I put it back down. Yeah, me too. So if you would like to send in a uh, hashtag uh, ask upgrade question for us to answer on the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag ask upgrade, 
Uh, or you can use question mark ask upgrade in the real FM members discord which you have access to if you're an upgrade plus subscriber you can go to getupgradeplus.com sign up but don't forget if you're a new subscriber you can get a 22% discount by going to giverelay.com giverelay.com yeah or if the, basically the reason we did this by the way I don't think I mentioned it it's because the holidays are coming up if you wanted a membership and haven't been able to get one this can be a gift that you can put on your list for somebody that you love to buy it for you so there you go go to giverelay.com uh if you, I would like to thank our sponsors for this episode. That is Squarespace, Memberful, and Setup Setup for their support of the show. Uh, if you want to find Jason online, you can go to sixcolors.com. He is at jsnell, J-S-N-E-L-L. Uh, you can find me. I'm at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Um, and uh, we'll be back next time. Well, I won't, actually. I'm going to be off next week. Jason's going to be getting a guest. Surprise guest upgrade. So going to be a guest next week. Next week. Yep. Uh, but uh, there will be a new another episode next week I just won't be here until then say goodbye Jason Snell goodbye Mike Hurley